Hello and welcome back to Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, uh, meet up with some of the leading lights in this crazy industry we're in of self-publishing. And today we have uh, a real a, a real interesting uh, pair of characters to, to speak to and a very exciting writing duo of Bill and Mia Blue, who together are penning a series of, uh, of young adult, you say sort of high middle grade uh, readers with some great themes embedded in them. And we just thought it was such a fascinating uh, thing to discuss how a dad and a, a, a daughter can get together and create this fictional universe that we'd invite you right in. So Mia, Bill, how are you doing today? Doing all right. I got school off early, so I'm happy. <laughs> she what has a half day on Wednesday, so it's a half a day for her. And, uh, and I'm retired, so I'm always off. Or so my wife thinks. She's not going to do anything anymore, so. Well, that is very convenient for us. And of course, we have the man himself, Craig Touch, uh, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well. Thanks, Roland. Yeah, that's funny, Mia, because, uh, you know, if I was to bet, I think that your answer there would be word for word what my uh, son would have said. <laughs> His whole focus would have been, I got the day out of school, so I don't care what I'm doing right now. <laughs> as long oh, as it's I don't care school. what I'm doing. This is important. <laughs> No, but I mean, he'd be like, that's my important thing. I got my day off. <laughs> but no, that's great. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming out. And, uh, you know, like, I personally would love if I could write a book with my son, but um, I don't think he's interested. So I, I'm curious how you got, well, he's 14. He reads like crazy. All of my my Kindle um, unlimited stuff is is just terrible because I can't. There's nothing of mine on there. It's all books about dragons. <laughs> um, they're the same age. Mia Mia's fourteen also. She turned fourteen in January, so we're almost fourteen and a half years. So. Well, then great because that's going to be my first question. Then how did you guys get started? So maybe I can figure out how I can rope my kid into doing a book too. Okay. Um, when I was in fifth or sixth grade. I had, we, I went to a really small elementary school and we had a really small library. And at that point, fifth grade, I'd been there for six years. I was there since kindergarten. I had read almost everything in their library that wasn't marked young adult or would have been too mature language wise, or there was romance in it. I didn't like romance. I still don't like romance. Um, and so we thought, what if we just take a stab at it and write something ourselves that I would like to read people around me, my age that have the same maturity level or the same reading level, at least. Uh, would be able to read and then we just kind of yeah so each, each morning i would drive her to school and what are you reading now mia and it'd be rick riordan or you know the, the, those sorts of things that and at, at a time she kept giving me the same answers and i'm thinking well that's not interesting why aren't you reading something new that she had out she had read the nearly the entire library that was appropriate for her and uh she just kind of ran out of things to read at the level that she could read at and so we kind of just driving in the car mutually agree, well, why don't we try? Just create our own series because that's kind of a weird personality quirk I have. If I don't have what I want, I'll go make something that I want. And oh, so we just said, we, we had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know where we were starting. We didn't start with short stories. We said, well, let's go ahead and just write a novel and see how that works. And off we went. Were you writing before that? Because I, I see you have books under your own name already, but I don't know were those uh, were those written before. Or, well, those, or this... those books are are, are nonfiction. Uh, we were talking before we came on here. So a hundred years ago, when I was in college, 
I went, I went to a Bible college and I took this class on the on the very last book of the Bible that everybody's interested in, Revelation, how the world's going to end, all that sort of thing. And I, I did really well and I taught that class quite a few times and put all my notes in really detailed form. So on a whim, I just took all those notes and threw them together. And I used Reedsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y. I used Reedsy. I just threw them in there, formatted the thing and threw it up on Amazon just on a whim. So th- there are some things that I just kind of put up there just for the fun of it, but our, our hearts in the, in the fiction genre. So this was your first foray into fiction was the two of you writing together. First and only so far. Right. I was going to ask what the, the process of that is like Mia, did you start writing and uh, Bill, did you, uh, I mean, how does it work to, to come up with a book? The two of you, what's your work process like? Well, see, Rose, that's a great question, but what we really want people to say, is it a good book? What's your book about? <laughs> uh, um, nine, nine times out of ten people say, well, how did you do that? Where, where, where did you start? And so if you look at the, at the Amazon again, you'll see, Craig, that I have a book, The Making of the Giant Force. So we actually put that together in a little simple little book form. You know, the actual step-by-step, how we used Google Sheets or you know, we shared Google Documents and all that sort of thing. But the the the... You can jump in. The gist of it is I, I come up with a story idea or a theme. And we're talking like C.S. Lewis, like C.S. Lewis kind of themes. And, and Mia comes up with all the characters. And they're inspired by her, her friends. And uh, they're not her friends because when you know somebody tells a lie, I don't tell lies because that's not you. You're just the, the inspiration. And so we actually run into that sort of thing. So she creates all the characters, character profiles, and and all that sort of thing. And I just plug them into the story. And so I'll write a story and kind of a, the, 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 I don't know, the basics of the story. And when I get stuck, and I get stuck all the time, and, and she's greatly unsticking me because she's much more of an avid reader than I am. She reads in the genre. I'm, I'm just a dad. And so some, sometimes I don't quite get the, the, the dialogue right. And dad, we don't say golly anymore. We don't say shucks anymore. And, and she'll, she'll correct all those things. So I create the story. She creates the character. I plug it in. We write. And then she'll read it and give me feedback. And in our first book, a lot of her friends were our beta readers. And they, I had this one friend that would write just thousands of comments. He always had something to say, <laughs> adding and adding. Finally, yeah. we had to rescind his editing. Yeah. We took yeah. off editing because he kept changing things around. I couldn't get it back. <laughs> but but they all grew up. Now they're off to junior high, so Frankly, our beta readers aren't as beta reading as they are anymore. But in the process, we built up a subscriber base. We have a newsletter. And, and so I can gather art readers out of there now. But not not surprisingly, I, I took a survey of our of our newsletter subscriber base. And about 60% of them, 60, 67% are my age. So for, for, for whatever reason, we get grandparents or, or parents – most there are a lot of grandparents because they want to read stuff that they know is going to be clean, that they can recommend to their grandchildren. And it's so only by I'm old enough to be her grandfather. I'm, I'm her father. I'm 67. She's 14, but she, she's my kid. And so, assure you, the subscriber base generally drifts toward whoever does most does the writing. That kind of happened that way. And so we have a lot of grandparents. I, I talk to them. They write back and. Grandparents with kids her age that they want to recommend books to. I find that really, really interesting because um, my my grandmother's sorry, my mother 
who uh, is in her 80s, sends books that I read as a kid to my son, who's 10. Because those particular things are books, and there are like Roald Dahl in there. You, uh, we ought to talk about like the theme and the the inspiration of other writers and your things. You mentioned C.S. Lewis and Roald Dahl yeah. and stuff, and these are timeless writers who you are guaranteed are going to write uh, stories that you know are, can have uh, content appropriate to the the age that you want, but at the same time have those really compelling stories and the, the really rich characters. Right. You, you said ahead. something about having a discussion about theme and especially with Roald Dahl books, how the characters can relate to people reading them. Something that we do with our books is that we have discussion questions. Those are those are fun. And so we have them at the end of the ch- the pages, uh, sorry, chapters. And I think that might also be what grandparents like or parents, at least. So they have something after they're done reading it with their kids. They can ask them questions about the book that are built into the book. So that's when I, um, Go ahead. One of my friend's parents read the the book to my friend's younger sister, and whenever they were done, they would actually ask the questions, and I thought it was cool to see it in action. At the end of every chapter, we have three discussion questions that are natural segues from the content of that chapter. You know, someone tells a lie, or someone betrays someone, or, you know, and so have you ever felt betrayed? Has anybody ever lied to you? And so it becomes a very natural segue for grandparents and parents to be able to talk to their children when they've read the books together. And so we, when we threw it up on, on Amazon, people started buying the dumb thing. Uh, holy cow, now what do I do? And so well, I, I was looking at the numbers this morning because I was writing a newsletter, and our, our first book has been downloaded some, some 8,000 times. And so we were happy about that. We, we, that. we were proud of that. But that also thinks, well, gee, if I tried harder, what would happen? You know, if I if I actually tried marketing, what would you know? So I've been bitten by this stupid marketing bug, and now I, and so and, and and 12, 13, 14 year olds don't buy books. Their parents and their grandparents buy books. Yeah. Well, I, you're in uh, you're in Kindle Unlimited, and so that's definitely one of the places where they can sort of get it themselves. That's what my son does. He just does it all himself. He downloads all the books from Kindle Unlimited, and. Uh, and that way he's sort of self-sufficient. I don't have to worry about, you know, all of a sudden getting this big bill at the end of the day for <laughs> 20 million books that he's done in that month. And well, you, you might know, be unusual because a lot of Mia's friends, they don't carry phones. I, the friend she was talking before doesn't doesn't have a phone, doesn't have an account. He can't even get into Marketing. Kindle Unlimited. And uh, we track our sales, of course, because I'm now, I'm, like I said, I was bitten by that stupid bug. And so probably... Close to seventy percent of our sales are paperback books, mm. because people my age want a paperback so they can sit next to their children and read together with them. And so we we've been able to track it well over sixty eight, sixty nine percent are our paperback sales. Yeah, that's great. You know, I wonder if um if any like schools are buying them. You know, it kind of makes me feel like the way that you've added the discussion questions makes it feel to me like that's a great. Um, that would be a great thing for a school to carry uh, is like middle grade books that have discussion questions because, you know, the teacher would read it to this class. And then at the end, they don't even have to do any work because the, the questions are sort of right there for them. Right. Um, last year, we have homeroom teachers and one of my homeroom teachers, she left the school that I'm currently at. She went to a different school. But when before she left, she asked if she could buy our books and she took our books to her next school and used them for that exact purpose. That was just one of the books they read in English, I guess, if that's what she taught, or I don't know what kind of class she taught after that. So she's teaching a charter school, teaches fourth, fifth, and sixth graders at Oakland, California, 
And so she took our books and she incorporated them into her classroom. Yeah. And then there's another school, Marietta's school. They, they, there's another school, another, that's a smaller Christian-ish kind of a school. And, and they use our books as part of their curriculum. And then there are several mission organizations. There, there's one in Uganda. There's one in, in uh, Uruguay, I think. And then there's another one in India and a third one in China. And we've donated our books to them. Say so we gave them the PDF download. You can reproduce as you will. And so they use our books as, as reading material and educational material. But, of course, we don't, we're not going to charge for that because we're just happy to be able to participate in, in that sort of thing. Absolutely. It's it's funny when a lot of people start writing books, they often think of the book they want to write first without thinking of the concept and things like this. But the concept is often what is going to make a book successful or not. And I mean, to have a, you've almost sort of defined your exact audience. You want stories that uh, are inspirational and interesting that have an appropriate level of um, content. Um, and the discussion questions being baked in is fantastic. And I think one of the things that sounds so interesting is, Mia, you coming up with these characters, because you must be able to come up with characters that resonate with uh, yeah, kids kids your age. It's not just, no no offence, Bill, it's not just an old duffer writing a story for kids. I'm just an old duffer, I know, that's who I am. <laughs> but Mia, how do you come up with characters that resonate with readers that they connect with? I think of the people that I know around me that are my age, and I, I, unfortunately, I'm not a person that has like a huge amount of friends. But I would look at my classmates, and I have a pretty good memory. I would say sometimes for interactions that I have with people, and I write them down, and we use those in our books. If I say something funny, or someone says something funny to me, or they do something that I think could be used in a character, like a character flaw or a character, I don't know, the opposite of flaw, like a good thing or like a good trait that they could have, I would write that down. It seems kind of stalkery, but it's not because I normally tell people like, hey, do you mind that I might use you a little bit in our book? Just a little bit, you know, all the bad stuff that you possess, we're definitely not putting that in the book. That's not going to be included. You're just going to be an angel uh, and they fall for it. So that's not stalkery. That's how writers, that's how writers uh, create their characters and, and come up with their ideas as they write what you know. Yeah. You write what you know, you're an observer of the world. You see, you meet an interesting person in in life and all of a sudden that becomes a character in your next book. And I mean, that's, that's, you were already doing what you need to do to be a writer. I mean, and you're writing books. So obviously, but, um, but, you know, it seems like, those those skills have come naturally to you so i think you're you know you've made the right choice by uh by putting these out and i think too like i mean you know it's funny because you you say to the people oh, i'm not going to put your bad traits in put your good traits and obviously you're going to put the bad traits but you know you can always mix them up anyways right so you could be like you were based on this person and you put the bad trait on a different person right so it's still there but they you know they don't no, they're not in my head uh but i think uh, you said something about it being natural for me, and I would agree with that. I was really, really quiet when I, in elementary school. I just kind of got into the habit of watching people because I was—I think I was too nervous to go up to people and talk to them. So instead, I would just like watch them and observe everything about them until I felt like I had enough information about them to start a conversation with them. Maybe they like reading this or watching that, and I'd go off and I'd read that and watch that and come back and talk to them about it. You have you have both of us well outside of our comfort zone. 
she's she's much more comfortable behind the book, and I'm much more comfortable at a keyboard. And now, you know, we we of course we can cope, but we ask their question, I'll stand up and talk. But this is neither one of us is what either of us like to do. You know, she she likes to interact with her people and in on written form, and I like to create people. And so she is a natural observer. And I was tweaking our blurb for our third book today, and and it, it has occurred to me that our a lot of our books, most all of our books, drift toward this friendship theme, and it, and it may it may be something not just to her, maybe unconscious, but it, it seems like the junior hires, the, the 10th, 11, 12, 13 year old, 14 year olds, that that's a challenge for them on how to fit in, how to find that, that their tribe, how to get along. So it, it just happens. It it seems to be a theme, an underlying theme. You know what happens happens between friends in our in our books a lot. And I would would argue to say it's not even underlying sometimes. A lot of the media that people are, people my age are consuming nowadays have a heavy, heavy theme of friendship. And they sometimes take that too literally and try to apply the cartoony friendship themes and certain television shows into real life. Like, if I give you a present, you're going to love me forever, right? And that just isn't how it works. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, that's great, actually. You're right. There's so much saccharin stuff. And I think I would say kids today, uh, are a little more cynical and, and search for a little more authenticity in their characters. And so maybe that's that's one of the things that makes you stand out. I was going to ask that when it comes to the theme and everything, I mean, what's um, where did you come up with it? Maybe you should give us the elevator pitch for your book series, as in like you're stuck in an elevator with a guy from Netflix and you have to convince him to make a TV right. series. What are, what are you going to tell him? Well, I, when you talk about themes, unap- unapologetically, you know, our, our themes are biblical themes, right? And so in, in book number one, for example, you know, friends will step up when family lets you down. And, you know, the proverb says a friend is closer than a brother. You know, that, that kind of thing. And in book number two, Amy's off as a, as a Peace Corps, and she's reflecting back on a book that she wrote when she was younger, and she's reading to the kids in, in, this, uh, in this jungle uh, complex in India, I have been to this this way out in the jungle, so kind of write what you know kind of thing. So she's reading a book to them, teaching them how to read, and it's about ultimate sacrifice. So Amy is attacked by a tiger, and she's willing to, and she actually gives her life for on behalf of these children who she does not know, right? And so you can see the ultimate sacrifice there. So the question is, well, how does that all play out? If she's dead, how? who's telling the stories now? And so that's that's book num- number two, and then uh, book number three is the the low class theater. It, we have a we have an exchange student who comes from the very dark spaces of Eastern Europe. Now I, I I was visiting a friend and he actually lives at the foothills of Dracula's castle. So we I I have been there. I went to his wedding. I he gave me his car. I drove up to Bran Castle, and so we said. And this this girl tries to escape. From this dark, it's not really a witch's coven. We don't believe in witches, but this dark coven, and so she comes to America to to join in this play that young Amy is trying to write. But her her communication skills are so lacking that all she can do is repeat back that the words and the attitudes that people are expressing to her. And so when people are mean to her, she she just thinks that's what's natural. So she's mean back, and so we get this kind of a picture of a. Holy Spirit kind of thing, where we begin to see in ourselves 
what people begin to see in us, what we show to them, kind of thing. So that again, does that? I, I, that's, that's not an elevator pitch. That's we're on like floor number eighty-seven by now. But <laughs> but our, our our themes are are unapologetically biblical, based although they're not preachy, because we never use the word Bible. We might say it once or twice, but we're not we're not preaching because that doesn't work anyway. We just want to tell good, true. Our, our stories are all true to life. You know, Mia loves magic. She loves fantasy. Who doesn't, right? I don't. I, I because I think it's cheating. You know, if I could do a time warp, if I could start flying, if a dragon showed up, uh, I don't. I don't think that's for us. We keep them true to life. Right. But we're just now beginning to explore the idea of a fantasy spinoff. Right? Go ahead. A spinoff. Oh. Uh, we had an idea to make like the opposite of an Amy. All of her morals would be switched, and she's essentially the villain in a different story, and it explains what would happen between the school years, because each book is kind of like a new school year, and so it explains what would happen to her every summer, where she, where she's going and what she's doing. Haven't really flushed it out, but it would just be an inverse, and he started writing a fantasy when he was on his cruise about a flying coffee ship, where this old guy is in a flying coffee ship, which really just cafe, means... Flying cafe. The same thing. Yeah. And which essentially just means, look at me, I'm on a cruise ship, now I'm on a foo-foo. I'm going to brag about it and write about it now. And that's, that's so we're, we're exploring the idea of portal fiction. Right. And so he, he wanders into a coffee shop. He opens up his computer because he, that's where he likes to write. But then as soon as he opens up the computer, he looks out the window and his coffee shop's flying. Uh, so well, how'd that happen? So it's a portal fiction idea. But as, as we know, and, you know, all of us who have keyboards, as soon as you open up your keyboard, you can go to any world you want to. You can go anywhere you want. So I'm trying to. I, we haven't fleshed it all out, but we're just playing with the idea of a portal fiction. That's you know all fantasy, for that matter. Right. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it looks like you guys have planned out. So the um, book three is coming out, and they're on pre-order, right? So June, yes, and then there's one in August and one in January. So have you? Are these written, or or you've just sort of in the planning stages? You've figured them out, uh, come up with the theme and the idea of the story, and. The ones that are being staged out, like like you were saying, here's another one coming out this month, and next month, and next month. But those are still the non-magical ones. Those are growing up, Amy. Those are the ones that we told you when we were talking before that they were 600 and 700 pages and split them. Those are the ones that are coming. Okay, out. so those off. are written. They're written already. You just <laughs> have written. Right. But we had, we had a 700 page book, and my trusty little co-author says, "I don't like this fat book." Because when you open it up, it breaks the back and it crinkles. Oh, yeah. Then she doesn't so, like that. And I, well, I didn't know that. Who, who knew? <laughs> Unlike maybe the stereotype of my age group in reading, I don't like reading things on my computer. It gives me a headache. I don't have good eyesight. I wear glasses. And so I think reading on paperback is easier. And thus, when I he pulled it out and it was thicker than like Deathly Hallows, the Harry Potter book. <laughs> and I was like, how am I supposed to? carry this i like the school so how am i supposed to lug this to school and show it to people or like read it at all so so we took those it. two books and we split them in now they're going to be four books and we retitled them we found a nice place to break it where i can create a like a cliffhanger like things so i added a, a another chapter or a or a uh, something or a preface to the new books as it ties them together and so they're already written uh we've got covers for three of them and we're working on the fourth cover and so I'm going to try this whole – watch me sound like I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to try this whole promo stacking thing and, and actually use this 90-day Amazon launch period and uh, see if I can see if I can get some headway, see how, how that works for us. But the new books, we haven't we, – we've already playing with that idea right now. 
I find that. Oh, I was going to say, I find that really interesting because the secret to being successful in writing is is to find out really to tell the stories you want to tell in a way that your readers want to read them. And Amy, what you just said there about like not wanting to bring in a huge, thick book to school. I completely get that. My daughter reads avidly, but she has like small books of the uniform size and she reads each one. So that's great. You're immediately like figuring out what it is your readers want and giving it to them, which is a, a huge you know, advancement in, in the potential success of your book over so many other people who just publish what they want to publish. Well, so our book too, and I, it is the one about the self-sacrifice where Amy gives her life for her, for her class. Is that we, you know, I, I, I read uh, Charles Dickens, of course, for example, that he, that he taught London how to read, you know, do yeah. he, by, by publishing a chapter a week or so. So I took, I took our second book and I divided them up one chapter per week, and I sent that out to my newsletter list. I, I asked people to opt in. If you don't have to buy the book, just opt in here, and you can read one chapter a week. It'll just show up magically in your email box. I got on automation. Look, I know what I'm – sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. I created an automation sequence, and we had a couple hundred people sign up to read that book. And then at the, when they got to Chapter 48, I said, hey, thanks for reading this. And I gave them a link, sent them off to Amazon where they could review the book if they wanted to. And by golly, some of them did. And awesome. So I, I got reviews. We got reviews because we know that reviews are the lifeblood of, of you know, finding new readers. So, right. so that's how we and, did that. And so then uh, when, you, when you stopped the flow of free content, did you find that uh, for the next book, you know, every, the people wanted to, they stayed on your list. They wanted to then become purchasers of the later books. Well, see, that's I, we just finished. I mean, those two hundred readers, you know, they, they opted in at different times, of course. And so I still probably have um, about one hundred and twenty have finished, and maybe another eighty are still in the queue. And so they're all oh, going to see. They're going to wrap up on, about the time the launch happens. So it's based on when they signed up. They're getting one a week from right. when they signed up. Not right. um, everyone's getting. They start. Everybody starts from chapter one. one. Right, right. Okay, so you built that into like a Mailchimp sort of automation or whatever. Yeah, yep. I use MailerLite, but MailerLite. So yeah. most of them are going to finish this. They're going to finish reading book two about the same time we launched book three. If you enjoy book two, here comes book three. Because I can segment that that group. See, it does sound like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. I'm just, I'm just trying to so, figure this out. So, so book three is on pre-order. So are you seeing some pre-orders right. showing up then? We haven't tried it. It's a, I haven't oh. uploaded it. I just I got the oh. the description and the picture. You, if you look at the if you look at the paperbacks, not available yet. Oh, but the the Kindle is. It's on pre order, right? No, I got the email. I've got uploaded that for pre order, but you you don't you won't get it till June twenty fourth. So I have the I have the right. Yeah, the, they won't get it, but but um, I think you can still see if people are are buying it though, right? If they've signed up for pre-order or no? This this is in the last couple of weeks that I put it up there. Oh, okay. So I haven't even pushed it at all yet. Right. I, no, I, just I was just wondering if those people that um that finished or or is nobody finished? Uh, the, I, I, the, the, Craig, see, you're you're brilliant. You should be on my marketing team. So what? That's a great idea. See, so well, I'll, I haven't thought of that. I'm going to go to my automation sequence. And I can add that next step. Everybody who's finished the automation sequence, I didn't even think to do that till you met, you brought that up. I'm right. serious. So at I, the I, end, I you, I'm, I'm yeah, you, at the end, you push them to, hey, here's book three, here's a pre-order. And, uh, That's a great idea. I pushed them for, a, I guess the reason I didn't do it because 
when I created the automation sequence, I didn't have this book up for pre-order yet. Right. And, and then after the pre-order period done, I'll have to take it out of the automation sequence. Uh, or, well, not really. I mean, you can, it, can, it can then be a link to buy the book. Directly. Right, I'll, have, I'll go change it. If you finish, if you like this, go buy book three. That's a great idea. I didn't think of that. No, it, it is a great idea. I'm glad yeah. I. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> to help authors with their marketing and their writing and all that fun stuff, right? No, I, that, I'll, add, I'll add that to my step. Now that you finish this, go here and pre order that. I'm going to do that this afternoon as soon as we get done here. Uh, I mean, it's great. How long has it taken you to write your, your book so far? When did you begin this? We started when she was 11, and wow. now she's 14. And so we've four books. So it's like approximately one a year. From zero to there it is, it's about nine months-ish. And then we, get, then we run out of steam, and then for three months, we kind of stand around and look at each other kind of a thing. Well, I know I understand that because you kind of like your 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 brain's burnt out. Do right. you find yourselves ever experiencing conflicts with me and my having one idea, and then you having one idea, or they're not compatible, or they're going in a direction you're not both on board with? That's and a great that happens. Question. And when that happens, because we know the answer is yes. Uh, who wins? Of course. I would say if you have conflicts outside of that, but generally story or writing wise, we can come to like a, an agreement pretty quickly because um, I don't know much about writing. He knows a little bit more than me. So sometimes I'll let him get away with, hey, we should do this instead. But if I have something that I really strongly uh, believe in, then he'll just say, okay, whatever. And he'll roll over and it's just kind of, Whoever has the stronger opinion on the matter that we're uh, sort of arguing about or conflicting would just win. It's I think not I th- much of an argument. We're not yelling at each other. I think when it comes to substance, me is the authority. You know, these words don't work. This, this people don't say that. But that does, I don't understand what you meant here. She, she I, I, will, I will defer to her almost. I will defer to her. But when it comes to theme. And what I think might appeal to a larger crowd, you know, when, when, when you think marketing and target audience and all that kind of stuff, I, she, she'll lean toward what I think. And there's the whole, when he writes, he often writes very, very quickly. Like he's a fast typer and thus there are typos and grammar issues. And that's also my job. I'm kind of like a, like a, like the, I just check whatever. And then we also send it off to an, uh, we have, a, we have a professional editor that we okay, send it as well. Professional. So, so ah, editor. I forgot the word professional <laughs> and the word editor <laughs> all in the same thing. But I'll give it like a quick edit. He sends it to me by email. I copy in like chapter by chapter. I'll copy the chapter into like a email it back to him. And then I'll just change whatever I want to change in it. So he has his first draft. And then my second draft goes back to him in the same email. So if and then earlier I mentioned that we wrote the book. People are, how did you guys do that? Well, we in, at the end of their, at the, end of the the book, the making of the giant forest, there's a, a chapter on alternate ending. Because we didn't quite come eye to eye on a, on a very it was it was not, nothing more than a simple line in the book, but in, in book number one, all the kids get lost, and so at the end of the book, you have to figure out how did they get lost. Yeah, spoilers coming up. I so I'm not going to spoil this. At the end of the book, you have to figure how did they get lost? What did they? go off and do something and get lost? Or was there somebody manipulating their surrounding in order for them to be lost? 
And so now we wander into this underlying Christian theme. Are we in control of our lives or is somebody else controlling us? You know, is this a Calvinistic Presbyterian kind of a thing or is this a Arminian, we got free will kind of a thing? And so I, I wrote the one that we like. I won't tell you which one we, which one we agreed on. But in the, the making of the giant forest, there's an alternate ending. And then I wrote why it makes a difference. And so that, that opens it up for another discussion. Who's in control of your life kind of a thing? And these are very interesting theological discussions. I mean, I went to a theological university, so these are the discussions we have. And I find it very interesting that you have books that aren't overtly Christian, yet have Christian themes, yet at the same time explore how people can be Christian, yet have conflicting views of them over the same themes. And these are things that kids want to talk about, but parents don't quite realize. And so I tried to, we, we tried to create a story that leads into that discussion. And then I would put a disclaimer, warning parents, if you ask your kids who's in control of their life, they get to ask you. And the best answers are, when the, are the ones that parents are willing to share with their kids. And, and, of course, me and I get to discuss all these things. And I, that's fun for me. It is. And we get to hang out and talk about really yeah. important things in life. She and I do stuff together. We have, we have like a little part-time job kind of thing going on. And so our books... Our, our, our commute when we're driving, I got to pick up truck we pick up, are filled up with these kinds of discussions. You know, we, we went and saw Doctor Strange, the multiverse, blah, blah, blah. And so we love watching stories and just cutting them to pieces and analyzing them. Did you see that arc? Did you see how that foreshadowing worked? This, this, is, this is fun. It's really, really fun for dad to get to hang out and talk about these kind of things with me. I, I wouldn't trade that for nothing. No, I, I, oh, go ahead, man. Sorry, he brought up something where he said that our, like I, like I, uh, sorry, like I initially brought up how our books can lead in the conversation. I think that there might be even like an oversaturation of, uh, okay, so uh, of books that want parents to talk to their children about things that the world deems to be important. Like, how should I grow up and what should I be doing? And should I be doing this? Is it appropriate for me to be doing that? But what I like about our books is that they're, digging deeper into things that are not just surface level worries about, I don't know, like beauty or whatever kids are worrying about. When should I use mascara? You know, oh, when should I use yeah, lipstick? I don't and... know. There's like a lot of those books. I'm not like trying to hate on those, the kind of genre of books where it's like your body for you growing up. Yay. Kind of a thing. I just like that our books aren't like that. So don't deal with very um, surface. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Bye. We, we finish each other's senses sometimes. I think the wonderful thing about self-publishing as a phenomenon is instead of it being, you know, 10 authors each sell a million copies of their books because they're supported by the, um, the uh, publishing companies. Now it's more like, you know, a thousand authors each sell a thousand copies of their books because people finally have books created by people who speak directly to them and, you know, you uh, you might you're not appealing to a broad audience. You're appealing much more strongly to a narrow audience. So I think that's one of the beauties of like self-publishing as a, as a thing. And it seems like you've really rolled with that. Well, we that that's that's a very insightful comment. And the absolute truth of the matter is, I didn't care if anybody ever read the book. I was just having fun hanging out with Mia. <laughs> And I, I was. I, I, I don't mind saying that in front of her. That's all. We get to hang out. We get to figure out what this looks like. Off we go. 
And like I said, then when we put them up on Amazon and people started downloading the dumb thing, then that's when I got bitten by maybe we, maybe if I tried harder, maybe if I thought more stuff, whatever. But the the end game here, if, if I if I may, is you know Mia's show. She goes off to college in four years. I I hope that I can learn every lesson that needs to be learned about you know putting a book together, self publishing, getting it up on Amazon, getting it formatted, getting the titles, getting the marketing, getting the the, the covers. I want to learn all of the lessons I possibly can, and then hand it to her when she goes off to college. So we have like a seven-year plan. We're three years into our seven-year plan. We got four more years to go, and then off she goes to college. And if I can, if I can crack this marketing nut, that we don't have to worry about paying for college. But if I can crack this marketing nut. It can be good mad money for her, or she can take that and build. It'll be a platform that she can go off and stand somewhere else and go do as she pleases, or she can abandon the whole project. And I wonder what I've been doing for seven years. So there's an expression that people like to use that. Um, it's, I want to put the world into your hands. And if this succeeds, he is essentially putting a world into my hands that I can go and run with. Or not. I can just waste his time. There's no pressure. I'm not insisting. She's not going to live my life. I'm not going to live vicariously through her. But I'm going to learn everything I can. Hand it to her and then she can absolutely do as she pleases. And then she knows that. You're not exaggerating the significance of that, though, because like uh, Craig and I work with a ton of self-published authors, many of whom are very successful, some of whom are prolifically successful, prodigiously successful. And then it's it involves a lot of uh, like discipline and self-awareness and hard work to make a career out of that. But it is extremely possible. And you're you're equipping me with this at the age of 18, Amir, you seem like a very driven, focused individual. I mean, when you go to college, are you going to start publishing books on your own, your own things? Do you have a, a plans beyond this with all of the the information and experience and background that, that you guys have built together? Well, uh, I don't I don't think she he knows where she's going to go off into the future yet. But you're going to have to forgive me because I'm an old man. I cry really easy and I get all emotional and I get all emotional and stuff. <laughs> But if I have my way, when it's time for her to go to college, I'm 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 disabled vet, so we don't have to worry about tuition. You, we live in California. California will pay all of her tuition. Good for that. As long as she goes to a UC public school, and so that that that's good. But if I have my way, and I'm going to work tirelessly, that she, she will not have to pick what school she wants to go to. The schools will line up and say, "I want her." Because she has that platform, she has those readers. They're, we're not going to be looking for schools; they're going to come looking for her. You know that's 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 what I want to get out of this. If I have my way, sorry about that. I don't mean to get all wound up. But. No, I, listen, you're you're doing the right thing. You're doing all the right things here, and and it's not the same thing as you know somebody who builds up a big company that their kid is really not even part of, right? In the uh, with the idea that they'll leave their legacy to their child. You know, you're not you're not like a Walton where you're like, I don't care whether my kid wants to run a bunch of stores or not, this is what they get and they'll always be known as that. She's involved, right? She's part of this. If she wasn't interested in it, then she wouldn't be part of it and you wouldn't be doing it in the first place. So you already know that you're you're, you know, the likelihood is she'll probably want to continue it. But you know, Obviously, the choice is hers. She's got free will, right? But uh, but she uh, exactly. I'm working your themes in here. But uh, but no, she. I mean, and and then what you've done is you've built that base, and that base is so important, right? We've talked to authors all the time about this too, right? It, it's much harder at the beginning 
than it is later, right? And it's like, and it's true for everything. People always say uh, the first million is the hardest, right? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to get there. But you you build your base by, uh, you know, you, you have four books, five books, six books. Well, that six books, book six is way easier than book one was to sell and to, to get your, you already got a lot of your audience, right? And they keep building and the more people have it, the more they tell their friends and their family about it. So she, by the time she goes to college, you have this whole set of books. If she decides to do something with it, she's standing on the platform that you've, you guys have built together and she's way ahead of, of where she would be if she started it then. And it's, and it's awesome. And it's not just something you handed to her that she wasn't interested in. This is, this is already, you know it. So well, we think that a backlog is important. You know, for whatever you do off to the future, to have that backlog is important. Yeah. We've already done a, a, a quite a significant rewrite on book one because that was our first one. I had to know what we were doing. So this, while I'm preparing to launch book three, I did a, I did a, a, a re, I did not a complete rewrite, but I went back and dug into book one to really tighten it up and then add a different dimension to it to, to further tie it into the entire series. It was, it was, it was meant to be a standalone. And now it's not. Now book one has a has a nice arc to take it into books two, three, and four. I'm just thinking, Craig, could you imagine if you knew everything that you know about writing and self-publishing and got taken back in time to when you were 18 and Kindle and stuff existed? What an amazing opportunity that would be. I know I'd be like, oh, my goodness, the things you could do. So, man, we're extremely excited to see what you do with, uh, with your career. No pressure. Uh, listen, I'm... <laughs> and I, I'm like, I'm jealous of that situation because, like I said, I would love it if my kid was into that. He's not really, but you know, he still talks about like, oh, you got a business, you can give it to me, and I'm like, not if you're not interested in doing it. I'm not just handing it over to you if you're not part of it. If you don't want to do the work and learn this stuff, right? Otherwise, wh- what would you be handing them anyways, right? If she was never involved, and then you said, hey, I built this writing platform, continue it. How could she? She's not a writer, right? But she is because she is a writer. Well, I, I would like to emphasize that since she's sitting here and you're going to record this, it'll be on YouTube for in perpetuity. She does not have to continue. You know, I, I, I just, you know, that. and she knows that. And I'll say it again. And she she has her own freedom. If she, frankly, if she doesn't want to, she won't anyway because she's just stubborn. She's stubborn. Like I don't know where she gets her stubbornness, but it, oh, I wonder. it's there you know it's there if she wants to and and regardless of whether she takes it on you know the books will still be there forever and they'll still be earning and you know uh, books that i wrote i don't know how many years ago now i still get money coming in and i haven't touched them in years right so you know that's always going to be that trickle that that's not going to get turned off unless amazon goes out of business which i don't think is going to happen i have a a, you're going to have to jump in i have a friend who's lives at this, this very nice, not glamorous, but very nice place in, in somewhere in Colorado. He wrote one of the Carpenters songs. And in the Carpenters song, he, he gets what's called mailbox money. And that song he wrote for the Carpenters back in the 70s, 50, almost 60 years ago, paid for his house. You know, yeah. this, he calls it email. He calls it mailbox money. Now we call it email box money. Go jump. When, when we started, uh, uh, Roland and I started to get around the same time and, and uh, we were part of a group that um, of, of self-publishers and uh, the person, the one of the people that started that group, he was always talking about how to him, this started in a thread on Reddit called beer money. 
and it was he would create uh people were just writing stories at that time putting them up on amazon to create money to buy beer you know a case of beer at the end of the month or whatever and then it just became a career you know so exactly the same thing it just you you know sometimes things come in and they're trickles and then sometimes they turn into something a lot bigger well before i start before we started writing these books and before i retired i i i uh i was a blogger i i I did pretty good at that. And my first goal was to pay my cell phone bill and then put gas in my car and, you know, and then, you know, pay the rent and then off we go. So we got, we got to start somewhere. So. Absolutely. And, you know, the small goals, once you achieve them, you move on to bigger goals. We, we had another conversation the other day talking about this group that we were with and how we were all struggling. Then one of us hit a five figure month, earning five figures in a single month. Oh. And it was like, oh, my God, this person did it. And the next month, a bunch of us did it because it was like you got given permission to suddenly reach yeah. your potential. Well done. Well done. Great. Congrats. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Well done. Well done. Well, that was many um, years ago. <laughs> yeah. But um, we are approaching the end of the hour. So, uh, Craig, do you have any final questions before we start wrapping things up? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that you guys are doing pretty much all the right things. And uh, I think, Bill, that you are, um, you know, like you said, you're building a platform, you're figuring it all out. And then, you know, if Mia wants to continue on once you've stopped, that's up to her. But I think uh, she is very likely going to at least be interested in it because she's involved. It's not just you handing her something that only you were interested. You've involved her. And I love that. I love that you guys are doing this together. I think that, I hope that a lot of people that listen to this um, will, you know, think about doing something like this with their own children or parents or family members or whatever. Right. We talk, we've, we've talked together um, with other authors who write collaboratively and they're often, you know, the similar age and the similar part of life where and they're collaborating but this is a whole different um different thing and i think that this is you know really really special well i'm not trying to you know pitch a book or anything but the making of the giant forest is actually the mechanics you know what what we did you know i i used google docs and and we shared and then we had opened up the editorial feature and all that so so we it's not ultra detailed because it doesn't work anyway but I, I, i dove into the mechanics of what we actually did and it's not much different than what we've talked about here, except I tried to spell it out in a little bit of a chapter form there. And why we included the, the questions at the end and then the alternate ending kind of thing. So, because you know, we wish people liked our book, but the only one knows how did you do that with your kid? And, and the, the, the short answer to that is I got a great kid. Well, listen, it's two different people asking those questions, right? Like it's the people that are writers saying, you know, um, I want to know how to do this with my kid. And then there's the readers and that's, those are the ones that you're pitching all about the book to, right? <laughs> but, the, right. but the authors, they're the ones that are like, how do I do this too? Right. Cause we all want to have that connection. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you guys came on to share it with us. Would like to add that I appreciate my father's ambition with what he wants to hand me, but I also have my own ambition to write by myself. I have a few story ideas. I have documents. I have characters. I have what I want to do. I just don't have the time to do it currently because I'm still in school. School takes up a lot of my time. And I'd also like to add that it already affects me right now, being given the um, knowledge and uh, experience in book writing. I can help my friends. I have one friend that's really interested in writing, and his mom's cool. also a writer. And so I get to help him where I can, and he gets to, I don't know what he gets to help me with, but he's, he's doing something. So. 
well that's leadership you're you're developing leadership doing this as well uh, well that's at her at her school you know they they break off into groups somebody has to do the powerpoint somebody has to take the pictures well mia she can do the writing you know she's a she's the default goer to her to get things written up in whatever form the church we go to they have this oscars presentation she'll write we'll, we'll let mia write it and then we'll put it on for you she's the go-to person in, in these situations for the writer but like you were saying, well, a lot of her friends look up to her no, no, about the I writing. I don't like to like publicly be like, oh, look, look at me. I wrote a bunch of books. La, ha, ha, ha. But I think people kind of just figure it out somehow that I've written something or that I, I just that they know that I enjoy writing because my school projects are absurdly long and absurdly wordy and are twice as long as they should be. And I suddenly get in trouble for that. But um, I think it's just because I, ju- I genuinely enjoy writing and it shows. And I don't, I don't like to. That's okay. I, I think yeah. people gravitate towards that. Right. Well, well um, we thank you guys for letting us. Thanks for inviting us. We know we, we love telling our story as much as we can, but th- thank you so much for having us. Well, that is our pleasure. And we are obviously going to throw links down below into the description of this. But before we go, where can people find out about Growing Up Amy, the series? Amazon. Well, Amazon, all our books are on Amazon. Bill and Mia, uh, I, I was, I'm very careful to put both our names in the title because Amazon didn't get that right in the beginning because I didn't know how to add that. They said Bill Blue. No, that's not right. But we have a website, growingupamy.com, and it, it's not too it, – it, it's it's there. It, it's, it's, it's pretty well done. It, it, I had a blog that I wrote in her name way back when. When she, when she was four years old, I created a blog. Called it miamay.com, M-I-A, Mia, M-E-I is her middle name, miamay.com. And she gets a couple thousand visitors to her blog there because, well, for whatever reason. So I, I created that blog. So when she goes off to college, she will have already been online for 15 years. There's nobody in her classroom who will be able to touch that. Yeah. And so, so growing up, Amy, A-I-M-I, and growing up just like it sounds, and then, Amy's I, Mia, I, Mia back. So it's not about her. We went to say it's not about her, but, you know, she's, there's a lot of her that gets, that seeps into it, of course. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak to us. And I think it's an incredible thing that you're putting together. Um, yeah. So we'll throw the links down below. Hopefully people who are interested can go and find out uh, more about what you are doing. And best of luck, Mia, with your stratospheric uh, career in the future. So, <laughs> hopefully everyone has found this as valuable as craig and i have and if so make sure don't be shy leave a comment down below give us a like if you haven't already click that subscribe button and uh, we will be back very soon with another episode of fully booked thank you very much goodbye